You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time for David's Pick. And uh, we have a very special guest on that's going to be... It'll be a very interesting program. We've never exactly uh, done something like this today. Most of the time we're talking to uh, veterans, but this directly affects veterans. And so you vets, uh, get your pen and paper out and get ready. We always start this show with a moment of silent prayer that uh, we pray for our brother and sisters that are serving and have served and are having difficulties or whatever. And uh, so we'll do that, and then we'll go to the other thing that we all love and do is have a little cadence call. So if you will, we'll be back in one minute. do thank you for uh, taking the time and uh, it's important to uh, to know that uh, our guest today is going to be introducing like I said something to a lot of vets that uh, we've used but a lot of other folks don't even know that it's available but we're going to tell them how to make it available but before we get started on that we've got one more little thing we got to do and everybody that served Always appreciates this. Okay, we just played a little bit of a Jody, but uh, anybody that served knows that those Jodies are the ones that uh, get us that last half mile on a force march or double timing it or whatever we're doing, and uh, it's true in life as well. So with that being said, I want to introduce Kevin Brown, and uh, Kevin is with Seasons Hospice, and uh, welcome to America's Web Radio, Kevin. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak, and thank you and the many veterans listening for your service to our country. I, uh, I'm not a veteran, but as Will Rogers said, we all can't be heroes because somebody has to sit on the curb and clap as they go by. <laughs> well, that's, that's true, and uh, I'm no hero either. Uh, I, was, uh, I served... Uh, as they say now, I was a Vietnam veteran, or Vietnam-era veteran, and uh, I was in the uh, Army Reserves and the National Guard as well. So anyway, uh, we're, we're glad to have you with us, and we've been talking on the phone a couple of times about exactly what you do, and as it turns out, I'm very familiar with what you do and that we have used 
for other family members, we have used your old services, and uh, you know it's a it's a there are a lot of facts that uh, veterans don't know. And uh, explain to us exactly what is a hospice. Yes, well, actually, hospice goes back uh, many, many years to the time of the Crusades, and uh, uh, Roman Catholic tradition uh, referred to it as a place of hospitality for the sick and dying. Uh, the modern usage of hospice began with the work of a British doctor named Dame Cicely Saunders, and Dr. Saunders worked with terminally ill patients in London as a nurse in 1948, and in 1963, she introduced the idea of hospice to the United States. Hmm. And she, broke, she spoke to a group of doctors and nurses at Yale University about specialized care for the dying, uh, the care centered on comfort measures rather than treatment to cure. Uh, in 1967, Dr. Saunders founded St. Christopher's Hospice in London, uh, which was the first hospice for terminally ill patients. And in 1974, three doctors and a chaplain founded the first hospice in the United States. Uh, in the 80s, Medicare hospice benefit was enacted, and now there are more than 4,500 hospice providers in the country. And uh, Seasons Hospice and Palliative Care was founded in 1997, and we just celebrated our 24th anniversary. And we are the fourth largest hospice company in the United States with 31 sites across 19 states. Now, with hospice patients, the patients have been diagnosed with a terminal illness with a prognosis of six months or less to live. And the goal of hospice is to provide physical, emotional, social, and spiritual support to terminally ill patients as well as their families while assisting patients and families to live with dignity and comfort as they cope with the end-of-life issues. And we're not taking a curative approach. We're looking at comfort measures and the quality of life. And as many of you know, medications like chemotherapy, they can wreak havoc on a body. And families are not often able to have quality time with their loved ones. And again, with hospice, we're looking at the quality of life. And managing pain and symptoms enables our patients to live as fully and comfortably as possible. And it provides comfort and kindness to the persons, you know, nearing the end of their journey. It's a special kind of caring, and it treats the individual, not the disease. Uh, and the focus is on care and not cure. This is and, something uh, that uh, a lot of folks don't really understand. And uh, as a, when a family member gets in this shape uh, and, and needs some... You know, not everybody, as as my family and I learned, uh, not everybody is trained in taking care of someone that is terminally ill. And, uh, you know, you can, I know for my sisters and I, when our, our mother was dying, uh, you know, there, there can be a lot of, of uh, beating yourself to death type of stuff that uh, you know, a lot of regrets pop up or this or that and we found that um, not only was hospice and we had a, a wonderful lady that we in fact two wonderful ladies that we got to work with that uh, you know you can easily go on a guilt trip and yet 
like you said, hospice not only works with the patient, but they also work with the family. And uh, they, you all, your training is incredible. And uh, everybody always thinks they're different from the next person. But I guess the reality of it is that we all have our feelings, and we all can go on guilt trips when a loved one is dying. And um, I guess you go through a lot of process of I wish I could have or I wish I would have. And uh, your training helps the family as much as it does the, the person that's uh, the patient. Well, yes, and with hospice you have quite often more care than in the uh, home setting or in assisted living uh, where you have nurses coming in all the time, health aides coming in to assist the family uh, with bathing. So the patient gets more attention, and in many cases, patients actually live longer on hospice than if they had not been on hospice. And one thing that is good is that when you have the aides coming in, it allows you to be more of a family member than a caretaker when you've got that burden off your shoulders. That's interesting. Um, what? Uh, uh, okay, I want to go back to we've recently, within the past year, uh, used hospice in two different occasions, and uh, uh, one of which was uh, my brother-in-law, who was in the Navy, and uh, we were, and, and a lot of veterans don't understand this, and this is where the service officer of many of the service organizations, be it VFW, American Legion, whatever it happens to be, uh, can assist the family members again, or if um, it's a veteran that uh, wants everything pre-planned and prepared for on their demise, uh, that the VA does pay for hospice care. And I want to really stress that, uh, Kevin. Uh, what can you add to what I just said? Yes, well, about 25% of all deaths in the United States are are veterans. And a lot of them, it's, just, it's a shame, a lot of them do not know uh, about the hospice benefit where they can have a better end of life uh, by going on hospice. A lot of them don't know that. So it is all covered, completely covered, no copays or anything. Uh, you know, it is all part of hospice. And, I, you know, it can mean so much. Uh, I, I can't stress that. Uh, so much for the patient themselves, but also for the family. And it's... It's a trying time, even if you've been prepared that, okay, uh, you know, terminally ill, but it might be six months, might be two years, whatever, and you say, well, we'll be prepared. Well, no, you're never prepared, you know, and uh, the last few days are are very important, and, uh, you know, it may be that your loved one is unconscious or in a coma or whatever, but... Um, you need help yourself. So uh, let me ask, how? what are your all's, uh, or, you know, when you, you say terminally ill and have six months or less, uh, is are there other qualifications that uh, before you all will go in or work with them? And, and I want to uh, go into it, too, that you have... Our last experience with uh, Seasons, as a matter of fact, was in your 
facility uh, here in Atlanta that uh, is in in-house facility as opposed to being in home uh, you have your own um, facility for patients that can be uh, taken care of on the scene yes in coming we have a 15 bed inpatient unit and uh, you know again we're just so sorry for your loss but uh, you know we're, we're grateful that you allowed us the honor of serving your family during that time well, we were. It was a, a very good choice, and uh, uh, kudos to my sister that we were we were uh, able to uh, do it, and uh, and uh, you know the it was rewarding to uh, know that she was getting, my older sister was getting the care that she needed in her last few days. So, um, well, to be eligible for hospice, someone as I mentioned, in addition to the diagnosis of the illness. Uh, with a six-month prognosis, there has to be a referral from the doctor, uh, at, the patient's doctor, and then our doctor will look at the clinicals and will make a determination. So both doctors have to be in agreement for a hospice diagnosis. Hmm. Okay. And now is this for inpatient or is this... Uh for it's any- for hospice, either in the home setting or in the inpatient. Now, the inpatient unit we have, uh, it's not designed for long-term care, but uh, if people are in a home setting and they need a little bit of extra care that they cannot get in the home, they will come to our inpatient unit, and then hopefully they will uh, improve to the point or stabilize where they can go back to the home setting. Hmm. How? We also we also offer respite care, where people who are in the home setting can come to the inpatient unit for a period of five days out of the month, and it it gives family members a break if they need to take a trip or if they need to just if they need a break from the patient for five days, or or maybe the patient needs a break from the family, but uh, but that gives them five five days of care in the inpatient unit. Interesting. I I wasn't aware of that, and. What's uh, in your experience, and this may sound a bit morbid, but in your experience, how long uh, do you know what the longest uh, period was for you all to be taking care of someone? It it can actually, uh, there's no limit. In fact, my mother was on hospice for over a year. But what we do is we... uh, we evaluate the patient. Of course, uh, we've got six months, and then we continue to evaluate the patient to see if they still qualify to be on hospice. And uh, you know, if, if things are, are as I say, getting worse, like losing weight uh, and things like that, uh, the patient will continue to be eligible for hospice benefits. Okay. Now, with that being said, and uh, this I, I have no clue about, but. Uh, Besides the hospice person that comes out and helps that person or helps the patient in their own home, uh, does your doctor go by too, or is it strictly the uh, maybe the PCP that uh, the primary care physician that uh, will go back by and check on his patient yes, or her you patient? Know, or the thing with seasons, the thing with seasons is that we're all a team or a family of people helping each family member and patient. We 
have nurses who go out. We have the people who go out, the aides who go out and do the baths and things like that. We also have social workers who assist with any kind of emotional challenges because you know families are dealing with emotions and challenges, and the social worker can help with counseling, uh, finding resources for people, and uh, even helping with funeral plans. We have a chaplain who will come out with visits. So the social worker can come out, our chaplain comes out, and can offer spiritual uh, guidance no matter what faith the patient has. Uh, We have volunteers, and I work with the volunteers, and the volunteers can help with sitting with a patient. uh, Maybe the spouse needs to run an errand, uh, and this volunteer can sit with a patient, can play games, read to the patient, play music, uh, while the while the spouse is away running an errand. One thing uh, about seasons, and I'm very proud to be a part of it because of this, uh, seasons is among the first hospices to recognize the rightful place of music therapy. And music therapy plays an important part in the care of our patients and families. And uh, our music therapists are board certified, and Seasons has more board certified music therapists than any other hospice. And uh, they can help with pain and symptom management. Uh, you don't address psychosocial concerns and fear and anger. Uh, I just, uh, I, I have a story about a music therapist where I went in to a room I saw where a patient was yelling and screaming and uh, just very aggravated with heavy breathing. Uh, the music therapist went in and played songs that the man might have liked when he was in his 20s. And I, I must say I felt old when I heard what she was singing <laughs> and playing. But, but immediately the yelling stopped and the breathing heavy breathing subsided and the man just went to sleep so you know music therapists can help so much even in the home setting oh i've i've i gotta throw this out and i know my younger sister and i were there with my older sister and uh both of my sisters have very had very good voices and uh sang and you know did a lot of singing and a lot of production stuff and uh so my younger sister and I were there with my older sister and I I said and my younger sister started singing something and and then we I joined in and and it was funny because my older sister was basically in a coma but she started moving her lips like she was singing with us you know and uh it was almost a very peaceful time and you're i love the fact that i didn't know that you had a, a musical therapist but i can certainly understand how it could work so let me ask okay who who thinks of of this like Who's the person that came up with, well, maybe we should have a musical therapist, or maybe we should do this or do that? Well, there are people who, you have to go to school to be a board-certified music therapist, and it is just, it's part of the season's philosophy, philosophy, part of their thinking, to actually have music therapists on board with us, uh, in addition to the chaplain, social worker, and, and volunteers, as well as the clinical staff. 
That's fantastic. Uh, what other? Uh, well, we're going to take a break in just a second. But uh, what other uh, type of things do the uh, seasons do that is uh, sort of? your old saying and others may have copied but they didn't do it we're going to take a break first and uh, we'll be back with kevin brown right after a couple of messages hello i'm dr mike karuchak have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves if you do join us on the doctor's lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves join me and my co-host dr hal shirts every thursday morning 8 to 9 a.m Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on David's Pick uh, with our guest from Seasons Hospice, Kevin Brown. And uh, I know I'm leaving out a portion of your all's name, but uh, it is Seasons. And if you're, and you said you have uh, 31 locations or and 29 states across the country in the lower 48. Um, I, you know, I can only speak for Atlanta, but um, they're a fine organization, folks, and and I'm sorry if you're in need of their services, but um, you know, it's nice to work with people that uh, are the most understanding folks you'll ever ever meet, and uh, it takes. Uh, you know, it takes a certain personality to do what you all do, Kevin. Well, we we all have a passion for for what we do, and uh, as I, I might have mentioned, I'm the manager of volunteer services and community outreach. So, to have people want to volunteer, they've already got the passion. It's uh, you know, it's it's different when they volunteer in a hospital. Um, compared to hospice because you have so many people who volunteer in hospitals and that's where I worked with in the past and uh, uh, just hospice is completely different when you're seeing people at the worst time of their life and uh, just to offer that emotional comfort and compassion is, is, is truly wonderful and it's in our volunteers that we have this as well as all of our staff uh, you were talking about singing uh, a while back we had staff members singing hymns to a patient as she died and when the patient died the, the staff were singing hymns to her and it was just a truly truly an amazing story um, there, there's a lot that seasons does for veterans that i'd like to mention and uh with, with seasons 
we offer vet, veteran-centric care, veteran-centric care. And by doing so, what we do is we focus on the needs and desires and treatment of veterans. And when we're talking to potential patients, one of the first things we do is ask about their military service. And I'm sure you'll find that so many health care providers do not ask about this, and they do not even document it in medical records, so people don't even... Forgive me, it's like people don't care anymore about it, but it's so important. We uh, we use a military checklist that helps to identify health issues associated with military service, the benefits to which veterans may be entitled, the impact of military service on the veteran and family members, and goals of care that honor the veteran's wishes. And uh, it seasons for our patients... We, we place an American flag on the door to the room of our veteran patients, and we, we give them an American flag blanket. And a, a special activity that we have is a pinning ceremony for our veterans. The ceremonies take place in the home or at our inpatient unit, and family members are encouraged to be present at the ceremony. The, the veteran receives an American flag pin and a certificate thanking him or her for their service to our country. And I take steps, I, I take things one step further by presenting the spouse with a certificate, thanking them for their service. Absolutely. In a sense, the spouses were deployed as well as the veteran. No they question. They experienced their own hardships at home and having to take care of the family. And uh, nurses and staff are part of the ceremonies. We have people read different things, different people read uh, special readings. Our music therapist may play a song and sing the song from uh, a specific branch of service, and the chaplain may also offer a prayer. Uh, for Veterans Day, we usually visit an assisted living facility and lead an event where we celebrate the veterans at the facility. We, we always start off with the Pledge of Allegiance, and when we say the pledge, it is something that we do not rush into. Uh, so many other veterans are in wheelchairs or have difficulty standing, but they respect the flag and they do their best to stand if they're able to do so. And we give them time to stand. And That's we have great. readings, sing songs from each branch of service, and have a prayer. Uh, we also present certificates and American flag pins to the veterans. And, uh, at one facility, there was an Army nurse from World War II who was 102 years old. She was alert and had a wealth of information to share. And, you know, we, we must keep this information alive, must keep this history alive. Uh, yeah. A while back, we had a World War II veteran who was 99 years old. He loved visits and had many stories to tell. Every time you'd walk in there, you'd plan on at least an hour probably with him. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we connected him with the Library of Congress's uh, The Soldier's Story and Veterans History Project so he could share his stories for posterity. Uh, various season sites take place in Honor Flight, and I think, you know, with, with Honor Flight, the veterans are flown to see the memorials in their respective wars that they fought in in Washington, D.C., and it's at no cost to the veterans. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Honor Flights this year with, with COVID, though. Well, you know, interestingly enough, this is uh, a good place to interject a couple of things uh, that uh, one is good and one is not good. Uh, the good one is that uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, a memorial of monuments being built 
in Washington, D.C., close to uh, the uh, Vietnam veteran uh, walk and uh, and the uh, monument that they have there. So we're at least beginning to honor our our service men and women from uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm. The other thing is, and I'm sure you come across this many times with veterans, is that, uh, and this is, this is sad, and anyone that's listening, they need to write this down and call or write or get in touch with their congressman. Since last March, March 2020, the archives in in washington dc houses the personnel record center and i'm sure you've dealt with them kevin uh but that's where all of the records of anybody that served in the military that's where they're kept however since march of 2020 it's been closed and literally, there have been veterans that have not been able to get the information needed that have died. And, uh, you know, if you go into, if you haven't been registered before with the VA or you haven't registered with the, with the special uh, situation where they have the Agent Orange and they don't know you and you go to get your records of where you had been deployed and you can't get them. And it is a travesty that the personnel record center is closed and there's no excuse for it uh, they they say it's the covid thing but and we have continued to pay the personnel and it's just a shame and call your congressman you know whoever you can call to get them to open the personnel record center in dc it's in the it's in the building with the national archives so i didn't mean to interrupt you but that was a good place to put it in when you were talking about yeah, the, the veterans that's very good and uh, fortunately we have not had any issues with uh, patient records uh usually you know the patients have already had their record they already have their records or they may be coming from a hospital setting where they've already got all the records in place Right. Well, that's good. That's good. And uh, and again, I want to emphasize what you said earlier is that uh, the VA does pay for hospice care. And I think that's, and well, they should. Exactly, because, you know, you served our country and we should provide that service for you, definitely. And I, you know, I, I kid, we do, uh, as you well know, we do a lot of veterans shows and have a lot of veterans in and so forth. And, uh, just like you, you mentioned a minute ago, well, two things. One is, yes, the families deploy when one of their members deploys and, and it turns things upside down, which, uh, particularly we've seen this in reserve units where the husband or wife didn't think they would be going to be deployed and then all of a sudden they're packing their duffel bag and uh it turns the family upside down the other thing is that i always ask any of the veterans that i'm talking to if they know of any friend or veteran that anybody that they know that's a veteran that can tell only one story 
they're like wind-up machines, you know. You get a veteran in here, and whether they're like I was serving in the reserves or whatever, you wind them up, and they can keep telling stories until you're blue in the face. But you also said something else very important, Kevin, and that is that our veterans are our history books today. And we encourage, and, and this is where the inpatient I see is, is good, is that <clears throat> uh, father or grandfather... They need to take their kids up in their laps and tell them about their service. And that's they are our history books today. Yes, and the current veterans now, that is, like you said, that is something that they should be doing for the future generations. And, and we must not forget our history. No. It's so important. Yes, sir. And uh, I want to congratulate you for, uh, I believe you spoke at uh, Johns Creek uh, Veterans Association, right? Yes, yes, I did. I spoke with them earlier, and uh, and then a couple of days ago I spoke to the Vietnam uh, Veterans Group uh, Chapter 1030 uh, in coming, and uh, it's, it's just such a moving experience and so many stories, and I just when I come away, I just I just sit in silence driving home because it's just such an emotional experience seeing all the history there, talking with the people, and uh, they're so active in the community. As as you know, with the Johns Creek Veterans Association, they uh, put up the wall that heals the Vietnam uh, replica, the Vietnam Memorial Memorial at uh, Newtown Park in Johns Creek, and then. Uh, with the Vietnam Veterans Group, they've got so many scholarships that they are uh, giving to students to help with them. And it's just so good. Here we have veterans who have served our country then, and they continue to serve now. And uh, there was a, uh, a hospice, actually there was a nurse who said, I served veterans uh, during the war. I want to continue to serve veterans as a hospice volunteer. So oh, that's great. It's just part of your blood to want to serve. You know, um there's not been a veteran that I've talked to, and you're right. I, I think most veterans' blood is O.D. green, but I haven't talked to one veteran, myself included, that if the country called, they might be pushing their walker, but they would serve, and uh, they would go back in a, in a heartbeat. And this is... This is the kind of folks that, that veterans are. And we always encourage people that if they, you know, if you see somebody in the airport that I served on the USS whatever, uh, or you see somebody in uniform, like my son's in uniform right now, and uh, you see somebody, buy them a drink, buy them a cup of coffee, buy them dinner, whatever. And I guarantee you, just like what you're saying, Kevin, is that... You will be doing something great for that veteran, but you'll be more rewarded than the veteran is. They will appreciate it, and they'll thank you. Or if you can't buy them a drink or a dinner or something, just go up to them and thank them for their service. And you'll get the warmest smile going, and at the same time, you'll have a sensation of warmth that you've never had. Fair statement? It is, and I think you know, the veterans, they're the greatest bunch to talk to. Just uh, They welcome you with open arms, and it's just, uh, just a great group. They, they will um, on, on, let me interrupt you there, there for a second, because they will if you've served, 
and you're a veteran. Uh, veterans don't like to open up to people that haven't been there and done that, generally speaking. And they certainly won't talk about um, any of their bad experiences. They'll only talk about their good experiences if you if you get them to talking. But uh, they, uh, it's it's. As I've said uh, thousands of times, uh, being a veteran, you're part of the biggest fraternity or sorority in the world. And um, it was like I was I, – I, I've been worried about this closure of the uh, record center. And uh, I went to get a haircut yesterday, and there was a gentleman sitting there. And the, I don't know. There's something about veterans and uh, that you can tell another veteran. And so – uh, he had just finished getting his hair cut, and I said, by chance, are you a veteran? And he said, yeah. So we got to talking, and I told him about the travesty in Washington. So it's uh, – and and if you all have broken through and giving the care to veterans like you do, you know, I salute you many times over. And thank you for your service. Oh. Well, one of the things I'm working on is reaching out to veterans for their help, and that's why I'm speaking at some of the veterans groups, because I'm looking for veteran volunteers to serve the needs of our veteran patients. We we currently have several on board, and I'm uh, looking to bring more on board. And veteran volunteers who work with terminally ill patients, they uh, or terminally ill veterans, they have a a distinct advantage in caring for and supporting the veterans. Uh, the unique military training, the unique military training and skill that a veteran volunteer brings to hospice is, is invaluable. The uh, the common language, the terminology, the cultural bond, similar codes of conduct and honor, that all allows for the perfect gateway to be opened between veteran volunteers and the veterans being cared for by hospice and uh, you have a level of trust that's established and uh, that allows veterans to feel more at ease oh, yeah. in various levels of care and uh, veterans have an important advantage in dealing with veterans and through your service to this country you've been exposed to things that allow you to form a camaraderie with other veterans and quite often and you were saying this a little bit earlier quite often a veteran patient will open up more to a veteran volunteer than their own family members, where you're saying that veterans will open up to other veterans. And we've seen this over and over again, where the veteran patient will open up to the veteran volunteer, and again, rather than their own family members. And if a patient is not talking, a veteran volunteer might say the right word or the phrase mm-hmm. to wake the patient up. No and, question. Uh, that's what I'm hoping to do, is to continue to, continue to bring more veteran volunteers into our program you know it's it's sort of like starting the program this morning and and we play a cadence call because every branch of the military knows knows the jodies as they're called cadence calls are called jodies and uh, anybody that's ever served knows a jody and uh we have a, a one-star general that does a show for us, uh, Richard Dix, and he sing. He won't let me just play a Jody. He sings one, and I love it. It's just it's fantastic, and that's the kind of relationship 
we have with with all of our hosts and particularly our veteran hosts and uh, we had on yesterday uh, a fantastic show uh, lieutenant colonel retired pete mecca does a veteran story and the story yesterday was he interviewed the last air force pilot to shoot down a, a mig in the gulf war and uh, that's the last one that's been shot down but i found it just absolutely fascinating and one thing that i would like to mention too is that doing this show and doing on in the station and so forth it's like today Every chance that I get to interview someone like you, Kevin, I learn something new. And if we can reach out and help you get volunteers, and if we can reach out to the veterans and let them know that hospice care is available for them, then we've done our job, and uh, we want to help in any way we can. And we, we totally respect and honor all of our veterans. And... Our first responders. Do you? That, that brings up another subject. Do you get many of the uh, past first responders in? I uh, have not had a lot. Uh, we do get some, but but have not had a lot hmm. lately. Well, maybe we can help on that end as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we just in our own little way. We just uh, we're very attached to veterans and uh, and first responders and. In my lifetime, I I've been both, so it's uh, I have a I feel like I have a, a bit of a common bond with with first responders and with uh, certainly with veterans. Um, is there? I, I love what you were talking about a veteran and and you put a an American flag blanket on them or, or in their room with them or whatever. Yes, yes, and actually, uh, I've got a little story to tell you that actually. It, it happened to me right after I started Seasons, and uh, it just assured me that I was at the right place with my career. And uh, so not too long after coming to Seasons, I received a call about one of our patients at an assisted living facility. Uh, the patient was a World War II Navy veteran who was actively dying, and he was completely alone. Hmm. So I rushed to the facility to be with him and I placed an American flag blanket on him. And all around him were pictures from his time in the service. There were pictures of him in his uniform, the ship he served on, and fellow servicemen, but, but no one else was around him. So uh, I sat with a man until someone arrived to be with him, and uh, the man died about four hours later. And uh, just so many veterans have told me that they, uh, they felt forgotten. And uh, it should not be that way. No. No. And there, you know, I, I think it's a situation too, Kevin, and maybe we can help more in the future uh, as we talk. But uh, a lot of, you know, it's sort of like the color guard. Uh, there are always color guards available. You just have to know how to get them. And I think uh, what you're doing, going out and talking to organizations, is a wonderful thing because I know that there are a lot of veterans that, uh, you know, just didn't know that your need was there, you know. And uh, uh, just like the people that I served with, we were – we were part of the first of the volunteer military, and uh, you know, 
you raise your hand or like Rick White used to, it says, you sign a blank check that you will give your life for the flag, the country, both foreign and domestic against, you'll, you'll defend against both foreign and domestic uh, enemies. And a lot of folks don't understand what raising your right hand means in that case. And um, what you just told me, uh, that that was a wonderful thing that you did. And I certainly salute you for it. And I know that your people uh, honor veterans. And uh, we hopefully in the future will be able to get you more volunteer veterans that uh, they just didn't know that, that, they're the, that the need was there. Well, that would be great, great, and you know, not not just the uh, Georgia location, but any of the other sites, any of the other seasons sites. Uh, you know, we're all in this together, and and they uh, want to build up their programs too with with veteran volunteers. So, uh, I also appreciate the opportunity to talk about hospice because there's there is a misconception about hospice, and some people feel that hospice is a death sentence, but. Hospice does not kill patients, and what kills patients is the disease that has invaded their bodies. And you know what we do, uh, we want to provide, in a sense, the uh, the perfect death for for the patients because death is a natural process, and we want it to remain that way, where it's a natural process without uh, invasion of anything that can uh, do more harm to the to the body than good. So, we truly want our patients to live up until the last minute. Right. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to have to stop you there. we got to take one more break before the end of the show, and uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Kevin Brown from Seasons. Be sure, if you're listening, write that down, Seasons, and then put hospice by the side of it. We'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're speaking with Kevin Brown, who is... uh your exact title, Kevin? It's the Manager of Volunteer Services and Community Outreach. We uh, uh-huh. we say Mavisco for short. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, with that being said, how do people get a hold of you? Or, you know, and uh, 
what what's the process of becoming a volunteer? Well, the the process is thorough, and as being with the government uh, and veterans, you know, there's some paperwork involved. So we do uh, have our volunteers. They go through orientation and training. They actually go through the same orientation that staff paid staff members go through. And uh, volunteers are still staff, but they're not paid staff. But they uh, they fill out an application, and uh, we do a background check. Uh, they have a TB test, uh, but we uh, we do get some information on them, and then uh, process that for them to be a volunteer. And then they have training modules that they watch uh, on their computers, and then uh, and then uh, they become volunteers with us. So it's a it's a at their own pace, they can do it at their own pace. They don't have to rush into it. Just uh, the modules uh, take a little bit of time, so we uh, you know, let them watch the modules. Interesting. And across the country, uh, like you said, you're in 29 states, 31 uh, other facilities across the country. And uh, the volunteers are, I guess, you're looking for both inpatient and uh the patients that are in their own homes, right? Yes, yes. And we have two types of volunteers. We have indirect care volunteers and direct care volunteers. The uh, indirect care volunteers are often students. Uh, they may do office work, uh, things like filing and uh, answering the phone. Uh, then we have our direct care volunteers who have a little bit more training and they actually see the patients. They actually visit with the patients in the home setting or at the inpatient unit. And uh, to be a volunteer uh, at any of our sites, you can just go to the Seasons Hospice and Palliative Care website and then click on the volunteers. Uh, if you are interested in, in volunteering in our Georgia uh, facility, uh, I can give you a, a phone number here. Uh, it's it's four zero four two five zero four nine five zero, or you could email me if you'd like to, and my email address is k e v b r o w n at seasons dot org. And is there any uh, age limits on your volunteers? We do take uh, a lot of students, uh, and I'm talking about, uh, you know, around age 15 on up. So I have some relationships with high schools, uh, a talented and gifted program in Fulton County, and then also there is a Gwinnett School of Mathematics, Science, and Technology. Those are our biggest uh, high schools that we they work with. And uh, so some of the students are interested in pursuing a medical career or a, a career in health care, and they, uh, they come to me. Uh, sometimes they do shadowing with doctors, which helps that they can see how the doctors relate to the patients, relate to the nurses and the family members. So that gives them an experience for, uh, for something with their studies. We also have some college students uh, who volunteer for us. How, uh, I'm just curious. Uh, how do um, you all work with uh, with other doctors besides the ones that uh, are in your inpatient facility? Yes. Well, we uh, we have a medical director 
who is uh, actually a veteran, and then we uh, have a couple of other doctors who serve in the facility and also go to uh, visit patients in the home setting. Okay, so, and and uh, what about the the working with their with their own doctor or whatever? Uh, usually, when when patients are with us on hospice, they are under the services uh, completely of, of our medical staff and our medical director, okay, and doctors. And uh, I guess that brings about another question on uh, on the use of uh, prescriptions, uh, if. My doctor has prescribed something, and uh, there's a caregiver there or a hospice person there. Uh, do you all deliver the drugs? or? Yes. Now, as far as the medication, of course, I'm not clinical, but, uh, you know, there is some communication with the, uh, the doctor who gives the referral, and then uh, our doctors will also uh, look at each patient uh and, and, and we have discussions each each week about patients, and oh, okay. uh, our doctor will determine, along with the nursing staff, you know, if patients need to remain on the same medication or changes need to be made. And uh, quite honestly, in a lot of situations, uh, there are medications that the patient may not need. I know in my own situation with my mother, she was on medication that... Uh, it did not help her. It did not help her quality of life, and mm. uh, it made her more confused. She had dementia and Alzheimer's, and uh, the medication she was on made her more confused. So uh, she was on hospice and took her off the medication, and it uh, just made her much better. She was a, The quality of life was so much better, oh, and she good. was able to communicate more uh, with us with being off the medication that, uh, that did not make her function well. We're about out of time. We're running close to running out of time. But um, uh, what else do you feel or do you feel like you need to give a shout-out to anybody that's in one of the other other locations? Or have we missed anything in our our first hour together? Oh, it's been wonderful. And I just want to emphasize, uh, you know, we have the VA Medicare hospice benefits. And, uh, again, this is all paid for by the VA all paid for under hospice benefits and uh, you know includes doctor services nursing care uh, any kind of durable medical equipment uh, medications for pain management uh, uh, being at the inpatient unit for pain control uh, it includes the hospice aid uh, spiritual counseling we also offer bereavement counseling and we offer that up to 13 months after the uh, passing of the loved one uh, we have social services available uh, with our social worker, and we have dietary counseling and uh, volunteer services. So just there's a lot that's under the hospice umbrella. And, uh, again, we're a family helping other families and patients. You know, we have a thing on our website. It's uh, Veterans Praying for Veterans. And, uh, you know, just like we discussed, uh it takes one to know one, you know, and the you hit it on the head, the camaraderie uh, between veterans, uh, both men and women. And, um, you know, I, we always salute our the dust off pilots. They were fantastic in Nam and, and uh, 
the Gulf War as well, but uh, they really brought the claim to fame in, in Nam. And uh, we always salute them. We salute, uh, like we did earlier, the families that of someone that's deployed. And uh, the other thing that I also like to mention is the fantastic nurses that we had, the volunteer nurses in Nam and uh you know, they they did a super, super job. They were mothers and sisters and best friends of their patients. And uh, they you can't say enough about them. And, you know, what you all are doing, we all face the same ultimate end. And you all give it the dignity that it deserves. And particularly for veterans with what you all do for veterans. And I... I certainly appreciate the thoughtfulness that Seasons has for everyone. And uh, it's it's nice to know that there are businesses, organizations that are of Seasons quality. And, uh, you know, Kevin, it's – I didn't know where the where this show was going to go exactly, but uh, – I do hope that uh, we've helped some veterans out today and that, uh, you know, they will put it in their mind and be able to tell their families uh, about seasons and uh, the need to plan ahead. Do you all, let me ask one last question. And this may sound crazy, but do you all take reservations? Uh, as, as far as reservations, we. Uh we don't have any in the home setting. However, uh, you know, at our 15-bed inpatient unit, we are, you know, if we're full, we, we might have a waiting list, but uh, but usually we're able to get people into that, but uh, but not uh, the reservations as such, because uh, we take people as soon as we can get them on board with hospice. And if it's the home setting, you know, it's immediately, uh, you know, we do our best for everybody. That's great. And, uh I know I'm going to tell my family when, <laughs> and it may be sooner and then later. I don't know, but uh, I have your number, and uh, and I ex- I expect a uh, extra chocolate milkshake every now and then. Well, thank you so much for your service again, and, and what you're doing now. And uh, we're here; we're all here right now because of the service of our veterans. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm sure we'll be back in touch, Kevin. And uh, we got more to come on America's Web Radio. And once again, Kevin Brown from Seasons Hospice. We uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this and learned something. And uh, appreciate you taking your time today. And well, by, by the way, Kevin, if you're ever in our area in Sandy Springs, don't hesitate to give us a call and come by. Love to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Take care. You're listening to America's Web Radio, and uh, we'll be back with more shows right after this. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.